0: Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in Isaiah 1, and I'm extremely excited about it. And, uh, but before we start anything, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you for today and for all you've done. Thank you for your word, and thank you for Isaiah. I'm grateful for the way that you provide for us you provide instruction and guidance. And Lord, I just lift up this time as we read, as we read your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, for you to guide us, for it to be your words that we hear, it be your wisdom we gain, and uh, for you to be the one who walks us along this path of learning and insight. May you be the focus, may you be everything in this in this reading, in this time. Nothing from me, everything from you, Lord God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to just do something a little differently. I've read through Isaiah 1, and before we go and get started, I want to read something from Charles Spurgeon about this, uh, this scripture, and then just give you a little bit of my thoughts of how I see this chapter, and then we'll go ahead and we'll get started in reading it. Charles Spurgeon writes, it is clear from this chapter that the Lord views the sin of mankind with intense regret. We are obliged to speak of him after the manner of men in doing so. We are clearly authorized to say he does not look upon man, upon human sin, merely with the eye of a judge who condemns it, but with the eye of a friend who, while he censors the offender, deeply laments that there should be such faults so as we read through this chapter let's the way i've seen it is that god is disappointed or sad at the sin israel is disciplined but keeps on sinning but he continues to call them his children he continues to talk to them about sons as sons and daughters and asking why do you continue down this path basically getting your head bashed in <clears throat> he looks at the heart and not at the sacrifices because apparently Israel continues to do sacrifices, but he doesn't they're meaningless because they just don't change their actions. He encourages them to stop doing sinning and do what what is right. You can be purified despite your past sins if you don't repent rep- if you don't repent though you're going to die eventually you'll repent then be ashamed of your past sins but those who don't you'll die you'll burn that's this first chapter and it's really part of, really the focus of this first section so with that let's go ahead and, and read isaiah 1 verse 1 the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens, listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children, but bought, brought them up, and brought them up, but they have rebelled. me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know; my people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evil doers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord; they have spurned the Holy One of Israel, and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten any more? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured; your whole heart afflicted. From the soles of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with olive oil. Your country is desolate, your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of your God, you people of Gomorrah. Understand that both of those nations or or cities are gone, which means that the rulers of Sodom are dead. And so he's talking to dead people, people who are already dead. And that's what Israel is becoming like or Judah is becoming like. This also reminds me a lot of the United States. Your country is desolate, your cities burned with fire, your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste by, as when overthrown by strangers. It just seems so much like what we're going through currently. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who is has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feast and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. And again, can you think about this and relate it to the United States? How often were we blessed? How often did he take care of us? How often was he there for us? And now we've rebelled. We don't respect him. We don't have him in schools anymore. We don't reach out to him. But what we do do is it's worthless. It's new moons. It's worthless sacrifices. And it's evil. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though our though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She once was full of justice, Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now, murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Again, sounds like our congressional leadership and presidents. Therefore the Lord, the Lord Almighty, the Mighty One of Israel, declares, "Ah, I will vent my wrath on my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. I will restore your leaders as in days of old, your rulers as at the beginning. I look forward to that. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion will be delivered with justice, her penitent ones with righteousness. But rebels and sinners will both be broken, and those who forsake the Lord will perish. You will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. You will be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen. You will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. The mighty man will become tender and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the fire." So I see a lot of parallels between Israel that is being described and prophesized about and the United States. We've been blessed, but we've totally turned our back. Um, And until we change, we won't prosper. Our leaders are chasing bribes and gifts. They don't care about the people, and they certainly don't care about God. It's really quite an eye-opening prophecy, and it just shows people don't change over time. We're all the same. It's a concept that I've seen throughout the Bible. We all think we're so advanced now But the reality is, we're the same as we've always been. Our leaders are selfish. Our people are begging for good leadership. But they then turn and turn to themselves instead of God in order to survive. But when we humble ourselves and turn back to the Lord, He'll quench the fire. He'll rescue us. So let's pray for that day when we do humble ourselves and we do turn to him as a nation and a people. Let's go ahead and close up with a, a prayer. Father, I th- come before you thankful for your word. Amazed at how we just don't change over time. People are people. And we behave the same way today versus six, 7,000 years ago. Lord, I just pray for this nation, I pray for our country to turn, to not be the land of evil, focused upon pleasure, focused upon self, but that we would turn to you and we would take up the plight of the widow, we would take up the challenge and the concerns for the orphans. I just pray, Lord, for our hearts to be touched by you that we wouldn't look at the trees as our makers and as our value and as what we worship, but that we would turn to you and understand where our value really does come from. Father God, thank you for this time. I pray you bless it. May this truly be your words, not mine, that you'd be honored and glorified by all we say and do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day.